I'm Mike, otherwise known as Evie's dad. And uh, I'll, just to be clear, I was only one of three speakers uh, and who evidently did uh, also great talks. Uh, you heard the highlight of at least one of the other speakers then. And it was a, um, it was a super encouraging two weekends that I made it for. I missed the first weekend because I, uh, I had COVID and so uh, you know, couldn't make the first weekend to speak. But the other speakers managed to kind of knock up kind of two extra talks in the last four days off my notes. And still, you know, they did a great job. I think by the time we do a fourth one in September, there'll be somewhere between six to 8,000 young people go through uh, the convention up at um, Katoomba, and that's something to give thanks for, I think. It's quite a, a significant number and quite an encouraging thing for our, our young people as well. Uh, we're in the Book of Colossians, and uh, we started this series at the beginning of the year, and then we paused a few weeks before uh, Easter to pick up the Passion Narrative in Luke's Gospel. And so we've only got really uh, two verses today, uh, verses 6 and 7, and I've kind of chucked on 8 there because I think it fits in really well. Um, and, but my part of my job today is to, to bring these key verses um, to bear on our hearts and minds, but also to kind of help us uh, get back into the book of Colossians. And so because of that, I'm going to refer to a few other bits around Colossians. You might have to flick your pages a little bit, but it's not a very big letter. And I want to kind of uh, reorient us so that we understand what Paul is talking about when he says, uh, we received Christ Jesus and we are to continue in him. So let's pray and then let's get into these uh, couple of verses. Our Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God, that you are a God who speaks, that you are a God who reveals yourself to us so that we might know you, that we might personally know you. Father, that we might have salvation and forgiveness and reconciliation in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so, Father, please help us this morning, even as we look at these few verses in the context of Colossians, that you'd help us to continue in Jesus by growing in grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's a, a question to kind of start off with for you to think about. What are some of the things that you have started, you've invested in, and you've seen through right to the very end? Right? What are those things you've started, invested in, and you've seen all the way through? Maybe uh, it's a uni degree that you've finished, or perhaps uh, an apprenticeship. Maybe you've done some further study or a short course, you've started, you've invested in it and you've seen it through to the end. Maybe it's been a particular project that you've started and seen through or a job. Maybe uh, you've managed to write a book. We've got a few authors sitting here amongst us. Uh, or completed a PhD, we've got a few of those sitting here amongst us. Um, or for the rest of us, you know, maybe we need to set our sights just a little bit on uh, a little bit smaller and some different achievements. Maybe you've just started and completed a day at school and at work. Well done. Maybe it's really just enough to start and finish your lunch. I feel like little, little wins. Um, anyone, I think, who's tried to start and complete a diet or a fitness regime or any other thing that usually fits into the category of a New Year's resolution, I think you know how difficult it is to see something through right to the very end. Right, there is no end to the alluring distractions and the reasons to give up and the very persuasive excuses for not sticking it out. And I think that seems to be Paul's concern here as he encourages the Christians in Colossae to continue their walk with Jesus in verse 6 and to not be taken captive by any other ideal or philosophy apart from Christ in verse 8. 
And, and when I think about that exhortation to stick it out and to see it through to the end and to stay the course, the image that most often comes to my mind is this painting of Ulysses and the Sirens, which comes from Homer's Odyssey. Might be uh, hard to see there, but I think actually it's a really quite a vivid image of this very thing that Paul seems to be talking about. You can see Ulysses in the middle of the ship there. He's, he's tethered to the mast so that he might stay the course and his bindings are preventing him from following the sweet siren songs which will lead him to his destruction. And so those bird women-like creatures are the sirens cooing and wooing him to untie himself and dash himself on the rocks. He's also got his uh, other crew members there that they can manage to kind of paddle. It's hard to see from here, but they've got beeswax in their ears and they've got bandages around their heads so they can't hear the song. And, and I think this is really quite a powerful image of both the weakness of our human wills to stay the course and also the desperation to see the journey through. And I wonder if sometimes we think about the Christian life like this. Now, the Christian life, really, once you come to follow Jesus, is all about tying your hands up. And it's all about stopping up your ears that you might not hear those, those alluring and attractive things in the world that will that'll sway you off your course in following the Lord Jesus and instead wreck you upon the rocks. Right? This might be the image, I think, that fits particularly well with Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. And yet, Paul, I think, gives us a better metaphor, a better image, not of ropes and bindings, not of plugging up our ears with beeswax, but of growing and of strengthening and of overflowing, something which is more like a tree in verse 7, that sets down deep roots in order that it may be built up strengthened by adding ever more layers to its trunk day after day, year after year, building out those rings of resilience and whose bows overflow with uh, a joyful green canopy. Something, I think, more like a Moreton Bay fig, right? You know those big trees that you see around Sydney and in Centennial Park? This one happens to be in California. They've stolen one of our trees. But, you know, you can see the roots they stick out of the ground, they're big, they go deep, and the, the trees are enormous. Um, you've already heard this sermon in the kids' talk earlier, I think, so I'll do my best to try and bring this image out for you more. But the tree and the plant is a vivid image that occurs occasionally in the Bible, like in Psalm 1, that those who follow the Lord, those who are righteous, are like uh, trees planted by streams of living water who set down deep roots. Right, this steadfast metaphor or this metaphor of steadfastness implied here by Paul in this text I think is wholly different to that painting of Ulysses because the one who walks with Christ continues in the way that we first received Christ Jesus and you didn't receive Christ Jesus by blocking up your ears or binding your hands no, you receive Christ Jesus to, uh, through freedom, through the freedom of grace, through faith. And so here is our, only our first of two points in these short verses, receiving Christ, verse 6. 
And there it is, as plain as day. For just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. Now, isn't it amazing that Paul uses that word received and he doesn't say just as you earned Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you deserved Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you worked for or proved yourselves worthy of Christ Jesus as Lord, no, but just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, like a little child receives everything from their parents, their, their love that they don't have to work for. Thanks for the reminder, Evie. Right? For the food, the clothes, the shelter on their back, the, the, the free Wi-Fi access, they receive everything from their parents by grace. And, and how did the Colossians receive Jesus as Lord? Well, flick back to chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. This is how Paul describes it. He says, we always thank uh, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from hope, the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, another tree kind of metaphor, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. How did they receive Christ Jesus? They heard the gospel. They heard the gospel from Epaphras in verse 7. They understood God's grace and they believed and put their faith in the Lord Jesus. But it's an even thicker description than that. What else does it mean for them? Look at verses 13 to 14 in chapter 1. For he, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right? Jesus has rescued us, not we have rescued ourselves. That's what it looks like to receive Jesus. It looks like rescue, salvation. It looks like forgiveness and redemption. Furthermore, have a look down in chapter 1, verse 21 to 22. A thicker description Yet again, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What does it look like to receive Christ Jesus? Well, it looks like to be reconciled with God, not through yourself, not through your own efforts, but through what Christ has done through his physical body, in his death and his resurrection. Right, the shorthand that Paul uses here in chapter 2, verse 6, for all of this is to receive. That's what it looks like to know and be in Christ Jesus. This is salvation and forgiveness and reconciliation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this is really at the very core of Christianity. This is the core of what it means to be a Christian. It's to stick with grace and faith in Jesus. And yet, I think that description perhaps is somewhat deceptive in its simplicity. I mean, who doesn't love salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus? 
right? No salvation by works. You're not coming here on a Sunday morning in order to do penance or to, to pray the rosary or to do anything that might kind of bring you to, uh, closer to God to make you more worthy of his salvation. There's no continual reasons or acts to have to prove yourself to him to earn his love. I mean, what a relief. You don't have to tie your hands behind your back and, and strap yourself to a mast. No, you now live in the kingdom of the sun. You have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, captivated by a bigger vision of life as you look to the sun, who is the image of the invisible God. And yet, I think it would be naive not to recognise that there are any number of things that might still lure our hearts away from sticking with Jesus. Uh, not least of which is the allure of being self-made, of being self-sufficient and in control. Yes, yes, you know, salvation, you know, by grace, through faith in Jesus, I get all that, but look at what I have achieved. Look at all my accomplishments, look at all the things that I've worked hard for and done for myself. Look, in fact, what I've done for Jesus. He's so lucky to have me. Look how I have stayed the course with him. Now, maybe it's an ever so subtle difference, but I think that's the difference between living your life in him, being rooted and built up in him, strengthening your faith in him and overflowing with thankfulness to him. It's not strengthening your belief in yourself or overflowing with thankfulness that you are as amazing as you are, and I'm sure you are amazing. No, that sounds more like the hollow and deceptive wisdom of the world than the wisdom of dependence on Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. And it's not really continuing in faith by grace if your salvation is also about your own effort, even in the smallest and teeniest, tiniest way. Now, I, uh, I was a tradesman for a bunch of years and I remember being a first-year tradie and I was a fire sprinkler fitter. You can come talk to me afterwards about what that is, but just think of a plumber, except better. And uh, I remember working on a couple of uh, big building sites and, you know, as a first-year apprentice, I thought I was quite strong and tough and I was also quite tall, but I very soon came to realise there were certain muscles in my body that I don't think I'd ever activated before. And uh, we had to kind of lift up some heavy pipes and there was one particular kind of set of pipes that we had to do on this one job. We're talking about 6.5 metre lengths of 8-inch steel pipe, right? Like really heavy stuff. And it took four guys to lift it. And uh, I remember them kind of, these other three guys pulling me in saying, right, we've got to pick this up, we've got to carry it across the site. I remember thinking, sure, I'm big and strong. And I remember all four of us getting down on either side of this pipe and lifting it up and hoisting it onto our shoulders and off we went walking. And I remember thinking, this thing weighs a ton. And the guy behind me, he can't be doing anything because I can feel every inch, every pound, every gram of weight in this thing. You can almost feel your spine starting to bend, you know, to the side because under the weight of it. I remember walking along thinking, man, th these guys are lucky to have me because this would be on the ground if I wasn't holding all the weight myself. And then we went up just the tiniest step as we went across the building site. And the two guys at the front went up. The guy behind me was slightly taller. 
and the, the pipe kind of lifted off my shoulder. And you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> the pipe didn't come collapsing to the ground. The guy behind me didn't even notice the difference that I wasn't even holding onto the pipe anymore. And all of a sudden it became apparent to me that actually I was contributing nothing to carrying this pipe across the site. When I thought I was bearing the whole thing myself on my shoulders, they were the ones actually doing all the heavy lifting. And I think actually if they had let go, I would have been crushed, right? You see, that's what I think it means to live by and to continue in grace. Jesus does all the heavy lifting. It's not on your shoulders, even though you think you might be the one carrying all the responsibility and the burdens for your life. But I mean, what foolishness it is to spend your life straining away to secure life for yourself, to take daily the ownership of all the anxiety that comes with the prospect of success and failure, I mean, what foolishness to carry the weight when Christ has already done all the heavy lifting for you. What foolishness to be taken captive and enslaved by hollow and deceptive philosophies when Christ has set you free. What foolishness. And so here, I guess, is the hard question we have to ask ourselves. What are those things? What are those things that lure you away from depending on Jesus? What are those things that make you want to take the weight of it on yourself when Jesus has set you free? And how do you stay the course with Jesus? You see, is it by your own clever designs and efforts, your own shackles and binding and beeswax? Right? Is that how you stay with Jesus? By blocking your ears? You see, you look forward in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 21, Paul revisits this idea and this is what he says about that. He says, those that kind of uh, make rules for themselves and submit themselves, enslave themselves to those rules, verse 21, things like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, these rules which have to do with the things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they actually lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. But why do we like rules like that? Why do we want to you know, impose those things on ourselves? when Jesus has set us free. How do you stay the course with Jesus? Is it by those mere human perishable rules or is it by driving down your roots ever further into the gospel of grace? Because you see, this is how Paul says you are to continue with Jesus. Here's our last and final point from verse 7, continuing in Christ. Now, Colossians is full, I think, of direct and practical application for what this means, right, to drive down deep roots into Christ. Uh, you heard Hannah earlier give some of those kinds of things as she held up the pot plant and showed us uh, that green plant with its, its roots in that glass vase. 
right? Colossians will give you all that you need to know to be built up in him, to be strengthened in faith and to abound with thankfulness. And so I'm just going to give you a couple of highlights from chapter 3 so that I don't steal from the sermons coming ahead of us, but also so I whet your appetite for what it actually looks like to drive down deep roots, to be built up, to be strengthened and to abound in thankfulness. Have a look perhaps at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. That's what it looks like to drive your roots down deep into grace. Set your hearts and your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Always remembering that Jesus is Lord and not you. Thank God for that. Or perhaps verse 5, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed and idolatry. Verse 8, rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language and lies. They're things that will help you dig further down, uh, drive your roots further down into grace. But instead, verses 12 to 17, as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's a way to drive your roots down deep into grace. And how will you help one another do this? Verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Thankfulness, gratefulness, hearing the word, letting it dwell amongst you richly through songs, through preaching, through Bible reading, through the words that you speak to one another. And again, thankfulness, hearts shaped by peace and thankfulness because of what uh, God has done in Christ Jesus. So there is, I think, plenty to unpack and to think about how we do this well how you stay the course in grace by faith. But all of this flows first from receiving Christ, from receiving Him as Lord, not earning, not demanding, not proving yourselves, but receiving Christ as Lord by grace, through faith, and continuing in that grace, through faith in Jesus. See, this, in fact, is what Paul praise for the Colossians right at the very beginning of his letter. And I think as I leave us here to dwell and to think about how you drive down those roots into grace, here is a perfect prayer for us to finish on and let this be your prayer for one another and uh, the prayer for this church here at All Saints. Chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Here's what we pray. 
We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Amen. Uh, to help us to respond to God.